Hey everybody, welcome to The Smattering, where we ask the important questions about investing. I'm Jason Hall, joined by none other than Jeff Santoro, voice of the people. How are you? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm excited to be, to be doing what we're doing today. This is a fun one. We've got a question from a, a buddy of mine that he asked me in my head. I mean, I almost felt like I was having a little bit of a, like I felt having a stroke here. What's going on? It was, I've got a little lightheaded. It's, it's a big one. It's a big one, but it's going to be fun. But before we get into that, Jeff, how do the people find us? I mean, they've already found us, but. You they know found I mean. us. If they're listening, they found us, Jason. But let's, let's give the info real quick. You can follow us at a uh, smattering show on Twitter. You can hit on, hit us up on email at the smattering show at gmail.com. Um, we really do want to encourage you to reach out to us with questions, feedback, complaints, things you'd like us to talk about, um, whether they're questions to be answered or specific stocks you want to hear us go through. Um, also, keep an eye on that Twitter feed because that's where we're going to be pushing out polls and questions that are going to feed some of our future episodes. And lastly, if you're liking the, the show, give us a rating, tell your friends, that'll help us get found and help the show to grow. If you, if you don't like it, go... Um to NPR's Planet Money podcast and give it like a two-star rating. Yeah. And then they'll tell us and we'll try to do better. Five stars for us, two stars for everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's some amazing, amazing people out there, Jeff. We're doing this because we've been inspired by some amazing people doing some really good podcasts. So. That is true. That is true. So let's get to the question, Jeff. A few weeks ago, I was hanging out with a buddy of mine. He has a couple kids, a couple little boys that are close to my son's age. He lives like two houses over from me. And I just found out we were neighbors, even though we've played on a softball team together for like six months. So we're hanging out. He's a regular guy, doesn't work in finance or investing. He's got a regular job. And we're talking about money and finance and investing. He asked me a question that kind of rattled my head a little bit. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, okay, this is really fun. And his question was, Jeff, let's say I bought a stock for 10 bucks, $10 a share, and I bought some shares. And it falls to $5. Where did the money go? I love that question. It's, it's making my brain hurt a little bit too. Um, can I take a swing at it and you tell me how wrong I am? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> All right. So because I thought about it a little bit. And, but we, we purposely, for the listeners, we purposely did not talk about it ahead of time because we wanted to see what each of us thought about it. So here's what I understand, right? When you buy stock in a company, you're basically, that stock entitles you to um, whatever percentage, you know, you bought that very tiny little bit, that entitles you to future cash flows that you'll get whenever you sell that stock. So if the, if the stock goes down, that's because, th- you know, the value of the company has gone down and, and you'll recoup that if it goes back up or you won't if you sell it while it's down. But that's how I think about it. Like it, it's not like I put it in the bank and it's there for me later. It's I loaned it, and I may or may not get it back. So that's my like quick without giving it too much thought. Now you tell me if I'm right or wrong. So directionally, yes, right. So I think a couple of important things to remember here: when you value a company, generally one of the most useful metrics to value a company is. Uh, discounted cash flows analysis, right? Where you're looking at future cash flows, applying a discount to that based on things like inflation and uh, the time value of your money, right? Of giving that money 
to an entity and then taking an ownership in that entity and then not having that money anymore. And then at some point in time, the idea is that you know, the, those future cash flows are going to make that thing that you now own more valuable, right? So from that perspective, yes. But I think at its core, Jeff, the way I think about this and the way I, after thinking about it and maybe having a few beers while we were talking through it, it's clarifying. Decided, you know what? The beers are clarifying. They, they, they help are. You, they, they help they you really clear your are. thoughts. They are. They're a, clarif- a clarifying fluid. So, so instead of using stocks, I said, let's, let's back up a little bit. And let's say you go to Old Navy or some other place. You go to Walmart. You go to Target. You buy a T-shirt. Okay? You buy that T-shirt at the beginning of the summer. You pay 10 bucks for that T-shirt. You go back in Target or wherever you happen to be six months later. You see the same T-shirt on the same rack for $5. You, you no longer have $10 or $5. You have a T-shirt, right? Right. The market, you paid $10, right? When the market valued that item at $10. The market no longer values that T-shirt at, at $10. It now values it at $5, right? The difference, I think it's a psychological difference. I think this is the really important part here, right? Because with a t-shirt, you didn't buy that t-shirt for $10, really giving a damn whether it went to $5 or not. You bought a t-shirt so you could wear it, right? Right. Because your wife utility, you had a utility in your life. You needed a shirt yeah. and, that, and that filled that utility. Right, right. So you need, exactly, right? So it served that purpose. You have a t-shirt. The problem is that when you buy a stock for $10, you don't buy it to have a stock, right? To wear to the office, right? You buy it with the expectation that it's going to grow your wealth, right? It's going to go up in value. So, of course, the question is, where did that money go, right? So, the real answer is the money, that, that $5 never really existed, okay? You had your $10 and you gave it to somebody and they gave you a stock in return, right? So now here's, here's why people want to understand this and why it can be so confounding. Um, I've talked about this before on podcasts and, on, and video and people may have heard me talk about it, but there's a great book out there that one of the NPR Planet Money folks um, wrote that's called uh, Money, the True Story of a Made-Up Thing talking about the global financial crisis when he first started to get into financial reporting, talked to a family member, an aunt of his that was in the, uh, and she had an MBA and she was kind of in the finance world and that kind of thing. Because like the timing of when he made that transition was right when the market had lost trillions and trillions of dollars in equity value. And he asked her, where did the money go? Because fundamentally, I think it's the same question, right? Yeah. Yeah. And her response was, it was never really there. All right. Now, I'm going to use Apple as an example, okay? Um, the stock that my friend used was GE. I, I don't even want to talk about GE, so I want to talk about a, a stock that has gone up in value substantially over the years. And the reality, I haven't looked at it today. So what is, what is um, Apple's market cap today? You happen to know off the top of your head? $2.8 trillion. We're recording this um, 18th of, of August, $2.8 trillion. Here's the thing. 
all of Apple's stock has never been bought for $2.8 trillion, right? So it's right. not like that $10 T-shirt where somebody paid $10 and they got a T-shirt. Nobody has paid $2.8 trillion to own all of Apple. Some people bought some Apple when it was a little bit more, right? Because the stock is still down from its all-time high. Most people that own Apple stock bought it for less. It is valued at $2.8 trillion as a, as a business today, all of its stock, because of the price that people are willing to pay for the stock right this very moment in time, which is about $174 a share, right? So again, when we see things like the stock lost this much in value, it may have lost that much in value, but it wasn't money in an account somewhere that disappeared, right? It was simply the market value of that thing before it went higher or came lower, just like your house, right? I yeah. bought my house for round numbers, let's say $700,000, okay? I looked on Zillow yesterday, and it was Zillow's value was $775,000. I don't have $75,000 more in my bank account, right? That's right. an estimated value of this asset. To get it, I got to go out there and sell it, right? So does that make sense? It does. It does. Um, Nobody ever one, asked the question, wow, my stock doubled in value. Where did that extra money come from? Right. They just it want is, to know where the money went when the stock goes down. It's like when people talk about volatility, right? It's only on the downside, right? Oh, that, right. Oh, that stock's volatile. They mean it could go down. They never say, oh, that stock's volatile. It could go up, right? It's always, right. it's like, it is, it's a psychological thing about how this all works. One thing that I think about, um, that I had to sort of wrap my head around when I was new to all this, I think it's related to this question, which is the only time in the whole buying and selling of stocks that money actually went from someone who bought a stock directly to the company they bought it from was when those initial shares were sold. Right, the IPO, and then if the company does a secondary Additional offer. offerings, right. Right, right. So like, let's just use Apple as an example. So an IPO day, if you and I each bought 100 shares, we would have literally been giving money directly to Apple. But after that, everything that happens on the stock market is just people trading the certificate, the stock, that gives you access to that money down the road when you sell it, right? The access to that hopefully increased value years down the road when you go to sell that stock. Um, and I think that's related to this idea that the whole market of buying and selling is so far removed from com from value be going to the company and everything else is just market sentiment and what will, people are willing to pay for that that stock at any given time. That's the key, right? So this is, there's the IPO and secondary offerings where companies are, are raising capital. And then everything else that happens is what they call a secondary market, right? So you're buying on the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange and you're going through your E-Trade or whoever your brokerage is, you're buying on a secondary market, which is share owners that you're buying and selling from. And of course, companies will do their repurchases, right? And they'll come onto the, onto the market with these, um, um, you know, share repurchase plans and that kind of thing where they'll buy on the market. Um, sometimes you'll see companies do what they call an at-the-market, um, which happens to stand for ATM, which is ironic. <laughs> where is they are, those, they're, and it's a, it's a version of a secondary, right, where they're selling directly into the market versus... Um, um, in a big secondary offering where they're offering a large block at a time. Um, but yeah, in general, you're, you're 
buying and selling stock from other people. Here's the thing I really want to stress, um, Jeff, is at the end of the day, when you buy stock, you no longer have money, right? You own a business, right? Just like mm-hmm. when you buy a T-shirt, you no longer have money. You have a T-shirt. And that's why I wanted to use it because it's like a tangible thing that you've traded your cash to own. And I think the other part of it is this is, let me get into some of that toolkit stuff that, that I like to talk about, is it's a reminder that why did you give somebody that predictable, generally pretty stable value cash for stock? Because stock is the great long-term generator of wealth, right? It's something that over time is going to gain in value. Part of the price is you, you might be the idiot that paid $10 for GE and watched it go to five, right? Um, but, you know, that happens. The market's going to make you look like an idiot in the short term. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's the long-term tool. So you have to kind of be, equip yourself to get through the, those periods of volatility and remind yourself, I, okay, I don't, you know, I own the same amount of the, the great business that I bought however long ago. So I still own the same thing. It just doesn't look good on paper what the market thinks it's worth right now. And this is where it gets to how do you get through that? You know, is, is how, how do you have conviction to get through that? How do you have the humility to look back and revisit your thesis and say, well, you know what? I was wrong. The thesis is broken. I need to move on, right? Or I think everything's fine. The market's just where it is. And I'm just, I just have to let this continue to play out. Right. And that, that lends itself into a whole nother conversation about how many stocks you should own and in what industries and in what allocation and all that kind of stuff. Because you will, the best, the best investors have a success rate that would make them, you know, average baseball players, right? Like if you're getting 30, 40, 50% right, you're doing pretty well. So that means inherently the majority are going to not work out. And right? you mean 30, so 40, 50% well, um, well, meaning that they're outperforming the market. Right. right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's that's the key. And again, but it's it's all about understanding your goals, understanding when those goals are, and having the right tools in your toolkit to to accomplish that. Any last so thoughts not, on this? Jeff? Well, I just I have a question for you, and if you don't know the answer to it, I will absolutely cut it out of the podcast. Which is, um, oh, I'll make some shit up. Let's hear this. Do you know yeah. of any good like books or resources or articles that sort of explain these basic mechanics of? what we've been talking about, which is like, what actually happens when you buy a stock and, and what does it mean to own it? And, and what does it mean to own something that never really existed to begin with, to, to, to use the words you put it in? Like any good resources out there that you're thinking of that if someone's hearing this and is like, this is interesting, I want to wrap my head around it a little bit more, where can they go? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug our colleague Brian Froldy's book. Can I do that? Yeah. Why does the stock market go up? Yeah. That covers it. it. Quick, short read. Um, worth it. Definitely helps explain some of these, some of these things. And um, another former colleague um, of mine, I think maybe before your time at The Fool, uh, Morgan Housel, um, Psychology of Money. Yep, that's another good one. A must, a must read. But an option for a movie, dude. That tells you it's good. Wow. Yeah. Um, and... Um, the one that I started off talking about, money, the true story of a made-up thing. Jacob Goldstein, NPR's Planet Money podcast.
fantastic book. I did. I bought the book, read most of it, did the audio book. He reads it. It's just so entertaining. So I'd say those three right there. So again, money, true story of a made up thing, the psychology of money, and then uh, why the stock market goes up. Yeah. Those are all really good, really good choices. And, and we'll hit this topic and a bunch of others for anyone who's interested in just learning more about how all this works. Yeah, there you go. All right, Jeff, we're done. We talked about it. We did. We talked, we once again talked. Love and it. we should once again disclaim, Jason. I shall disclaim. We're here to ask the important questions. We're going to give answers too, but you need to answer those questions for yourselves. Nothing we said is investing advice, people. Make your own decisions. You can do it. Jeff, this was fun. We'll see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>